creativity involves risk, courage. You have to do something different and take a chance. For a lot of people, insecurity is the status quo. By Louisa Tisch. Hey, this is Michelle Spiva, and I want to welcome you to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. So join me on the flip as we talk about how to handle criticism. I'll see you then. Creativity. Boy, if you ever want to get some unsolicited advice or some good old-fashioned criticism, just be creative. Go on and try it. It's like it invites people to have something to say about what you're doing. And that's the thing. Criticism comes from somebody doing something or being something. So I want to get into how to handle criticism. For the last few um days or so, I've been working with the how-tos and being as much as I can be your practical priestess of wisdom. Yes, yes, yes. And so because of that, I had to, you know, take a step back and look. And I was like, you know what? I'm I'm putting these people out here bad if I don't, you know, circle the wagons, you know, kind of sort of, and give you a heads up that if you really take into account what we've been talking about and do these things, you are inviting criticism and unsolicited advice. Let's just face it. Come on now. You know, we've talked about how to keep things together. The other day we talked about how to make uh, uh, life-fulfilling stuff happen. And then yesterday we talked about how to have an unshakable comeback. Now, if you are doing these things, it's going to take some creativity, which involves some risk, and it's going to take some courage. And I don't want us out here having to take unnecessary and unprepared hits from naysayers, dream-stealing, realists, you know, I'm doing air quotes here, unsolicited advice. And sideline heroes, because trust me, when you start doing something, that's when the gums start smacking and people have something to say. So I have, uh, (laughs) I, I of course have many, many stories and accounts that I could talk about with regards to criticism. And um, I've, I've talked about it a little before in previous podcasts of how to deal with these criti- criticisms, but I've only kind of like said it in passing. So I kind of want to give a quick wisdom smack and uh, share with you a, a perspective. So the first thing is um, I want to just say a, a quote from uh, a famous uh, poet and author, uh, American poet and author, James Baldwin. And this, <laughs> this quote right here, boy, I tell you, it is one that I remember when I read a particularly uncalled for nasty comment, or as they would like to think, a uh, criticism 
on something I've done or said or written. And this is what he says. Now, I'm going to read the whole part and then I'm going to sum it up as it plays back in my head. So the proper way he said this was, he said, incontestably, alas, most people are not in action worth very much. And yet, every human being is an unprecedented miracle. He goes on to say, one tries to treat them as the miracles they are while trying to protect oneself against the disasters they've become. And so when I look at some of these these dastardly drive-bys of uh, critical assassinations that people dare leave on my page for the world to see, I have to remember that people are disasters. And yet, they are miracles. And somebody's miracle left that out of whatever it was that got their goat in an emotional way based on the creativity that I released into the world. And I have to also remind myself that because creativity involves risk and courage, how and I've taken this chance, how dare I not believe that that courage and that risk is going to never, um, never be challenged. And so it has taken me a while. And I am going to tell you to this day, rejection uh, through the forms of harsh criticisms and, and unsolicited advice still stings, it still hurts. But over the years, I have learned to uh, look at things the way I'm sharing them with you today, all right? One of the things that um, I also have noticed when people get criticized or when they want to do something is that either they've been criticized in the past or they know that it's a possibility that you're opening yourself up for criticism and then that becomes a deterrent for people to even try to do something. I had someone contact me the other day um, uh, looking, you know, to possibly do something in a uh, counseling. Uh, This one one was really more counseling than consulting. And when we got down to the the simplest denominator of what or of what they wanted to do it came down to getting over the fear of the criticism if they moved forward and i was like wow <laughs> boy I, we all have it don't we and yet we find ourselves sometimes guilty of being those those very people that cause brilliant souls to never release all the potential and all of the beauty and creativity they have within themselves. So with that being said, I want you to listen to me, dear one, because I'm talking to you today. If you would live your life and live it to its fullest, and when I say live it to its fullest, live it to its useful, purposeful end, where you become a contributor in this society, in this world, uh, 
You are going to have to submerge yourself in a baptism of creativity to bring out those specific and unique traits, qualities, skills, and callings, vocations, if you will, that you have on your life to share with us. And for your effort, you will get praise, but you will also get criticism. And so because of that, I want to give you these things. Now, um, there is another uh, passage that has has been famous for a very long time, over a hundred years. This 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 quote is actually a hundred and what is it, hundred and ten years or so. Um, and when I came across it, it helped me so much. You see, at the time, I was about to give up writing because. I was self-taught and it seemed like every single book I struggled to get through and to put out there, people would be so flippant and they would be so cruel in uh, their reviews. They had no mercy. And it was kind of like they treated me and in turn my books like we were trash. Um, Somebody was like, read the first page, boring. Don't waste your time. Um, just spent, you know, X amount of hours or whatever that uh, time that I can never get back and all of that. And I was like, I guess they don't realize that there's somebody on the other end actually taking this in, you know, <laughs> and even with all of my quote unquote counseling and therapy uh, training, it's still cut. It's still hurt. And I still allowed it to build up to the point where I had convinced myself, well, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I'm too thin skinned to handle this. And it took a while for me to get past it and get over why it hurts so much. Because I had to go through all of these things about, oh, I feel shame. I feel embarrassed. I um, I felt shame and embarrassment for what the people had said about my books. And then I felt shame and embarrassment for feeling shame and embarrassment. You know, when people, other people say, oh, don't mind them, you know, and all of this. And, and a lot of the counsel that I got from people who knew me was correct. Don't pay any attention to them. Focus on the good. You know, for as many bad you have, you have so many more, you know, good reviews. Focus on those. And that is a good thing to do. But when you when it's fresh, especially when it's fresh and you aren't expecting it and you have given the best that you have at the time, you have used all the resources that you have, you have not slacked and someone comes and poo-poos on what you're doing it still hurts. It still hurts to this day, you guys. And I've been, you know, I've been doing this for a while. And this is not to make anybody feel bad for ever having left a bad review or gossiped about anybody or any of that kind of stuff. Although some of y'all should feel bad. Um, But it is to help you because what comes around goes around. And like I said before, if you're going to do anything in this life, it's going to involve you putting yourself out there. I spend more time with my writing clients begging them to publish, I think, than anything else, you know, once I've gotten them over the hump and and gotten them to learn how to produce a good story. And 
the sad thing is, is I have to agree with them that I understand and I wish I could tell them, oh, it's just all in your head. And, you know, I have to be like, yeah, you're going to get slammed. You're going to have criticisms, but you keep going. And, and I can't even say eventually, because I don't know, but I, I say you keep going. And the eventually I do say is, is you're going to succeed and you'll be able to console yourself in the laurels of your success. And so this is the thing that I found that helped me to gain perspective and began my journey of being able to handle criticism, to keep going, and not just in my business life, but in my personal life as well. <clears throat> okay? <coughs> Excuse me. Let me clear my throat for this one. All right. So this is a piece that was done by former President Theodore Roosevelt. And it was actually done on April 23rd, 1910, a year after he left office. And he was out traveling and he actually delivered this speech uh, in France. Uh, Like I said, April 23rd, 1910. And he called the speech Citizenship in a Republic. But most people know it as the man in the arena. And so, yeah, I'm going to talk about the arena. Now, y'all listen up here. I'm about to tell you some good stuff. And this uh, piece has spawned so many great wisdoms, like the like the term daring greatly that Brene Brown uses and uh, the, the metaphor of the arena. And... So just listen with me and I promise you, I'm not going, I'm not going to leave you hanging. I'm going to give you some tips and tricks at the end of how to handle it when you're in the thick of it. Okay. So here is the arena. I'm going to read it. And then I hope it just gets in your soul and nurtures you and ministers to your need. Okay. All right. Here it is. The man in the arena. It is not the critic who counts. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error or shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement. Oh, I feel that in my soul. And who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. That, my dear soul out there, this is what we in the business use as our get right, our inspiration to keep going. So, I don't know if you've ever heard of this before. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Maybe you need to dust it off. But this is one of my go-tos when I get 
side swiped, sucker punched, and all those other things uh, with critique. And because of this piece, the arena, I was able to get some distinctions on some stuff. And so this is what I want to say. Now, now that you've listened to what I had to say, you know, with James Baldwin saying people are disasters and yet and still they're miracles. <laughs> and even understanding that uh, creativity invites criticism. You can still know that if you are actually doing what you do, you're in the arena. And like Roosevelt said at the end, he said that even if you fail, at least you fail while daring greatly so that you will never have to deal with the criticisms of those cold and timid souls who never know victory or defeat. So let's get into this, how to handle criticism. Well, first of all, you need to qualify it. And over the years, I have learned to qualify it. And I only pay attention to true critics, true criticism, because a lot of it is skepticism and bystander noise. And what do I mean by that? I mean that if you actually look at the definition of a critic. A critic is a judge or an umpire. A critic is a peer, a coach, a mentor, an expert, someone who is qualified to judge, evaluate, and analyze what you're doing. So if you've got somebody who has never done what you're trying to do and they start off with, if I were you, or you should have done it this way, and on and on, and they, ha- they, they are not your peer. They're not your colleague. They are a bystander, a spectator. We will talk about spectators in a minute. A spectator at best, then they don't even qualify to be a critic. Do you understand? I hope you are shaking your head up and down. Yes, Michelle, I understand. That in and of itself was a breakthrough for me. After meditating on the arena and understanding that what he was saying was, if you ain't in the arena with me, if you're not doing this right alongside me, I really don't have much for you. Your criticisms don't count because you are not on my level to even tell me anything about what I'm trying to do. So that's number one. You want to qualify whether or not they are even a critic. Okay. And if they are not, then they simply become spectators. And in those spectators, you got to be careful because a lot of spectators are skeptics and skeptics are doubters. And you have to be careful because doubters, they don't, I don't think that most of them understand, but what they do is they dream steal. Or they are sideline heroes doubting you until you prove them wrong. And once you prove them wrong, then they want to share in your glory. And so if you have taken what they said and evaluated it to see if they are your peer or able to judge you and they fall short, they are a spectator or a skeptic at best. And you don't have to give much credence to that. 
A lot of times we find ourselves paying attention to the stuff that we shouldn't. I look at, oh my gosh, I I look at some of the stuff that people have the nerve to say on uh, gossip rags and, and all of this stuff about people. And I've never seen them pick up a mic and try to uh, entertain 10 10 to 20,000 people at a time for hours, but yet and still they can talk about everybody else. I've never seen them have to try to get up on stage with all that pressure and remember the words to five to 10 different songs in a row and not be able to go to the restroom, you know, hold it in if you, if, you know, if, if something should happen and still keep a smile on your face or any of the, the creative arts or any of the stuff that people do. And it's just amazing to me. And so the next thing is, is after you qualify this, give yourself, I like to call it the five minute rule. You can make it whatever time you need. Sometimes you might need an hour. But when a criticism comes in, if you qualified it and it is a real critique, give yourself five minutes to have your cry, get upset, throw something soft that won't hurt you or anybody else or a wall. And after that five minutes or, uh, you know, I say no more than an hour, don't get to wallowing. After that, shake the dust off and then get in to that critique. Because once you've qualified whether it's a critique or not, the next thing you want to do after that five minute rule is you want to see if it their critique is really a critique or if it's simply a complaint. Because people get critiques and complaints confused. Now, what is a critique? A critique is something that's very useful. It leaves you better than it found you. You can tell a real critique because that critique is written in a way that or given in a way that informs you. So if, for instance, like me as a writer, if I see someone and they say, well, um, in this particular uh, area, uh, you you moved me a little too fast with the pacing and I didn't, you know, feel like blah, blah, blah. They can give specifics. They can they can tell you why they're they're saying the words they're saying because they are qualified to say that. But if they say something like, I just didn't like it, it was stupid, or what, and they can't qualify it, well, number one, that's not a real critique anyway. That's that's a skeptic or a sideliner, uh, a spectator. But if they don't, and they do, and you've deemed them to be qualified, then it's just a complaint. And a complaint falls in that area of emotion, which means that because creativity is full of emotion and it elicits emotion, it's doing its job if someone has a emotive reaction to what you've done. So you have to allow people to be okay with or dislike what you do, meaning that if it's not a real critique and it's a complaint, you've done your job and you can simply say thank you and keep moving. Oh my gosh, I can't tell you how long it took for me to get that in my soul and understand it. Okay, so recapping, once you get something, you know, first you want to qualify the person 
or the the avenue that it's coming from, you want to qualify them to see if they're true uh, critics. And if not, I'm just going to tell you, ignore it. Ignore it. Yes, indeed. And then once you think you have qualified it, go a step further and decide whether it is a true critique or a complaint. If it is a critique, we're going to keep moving on on how to handle that. But if it's a complaint, just know you've done your job and just, you know, even just tell yourself, thank you, I did that. Now, if it is a true critique, what you want to do is you want to eat the fish and leave the bones, meaning that you want to take this valuable feedback and strip out if there's any snides or, or you know, us. Ugh, let me slow down. Any snarkiness or anything like that, strip all that out and just eat the bone. I mean, eat the fish, eat the stuff, use the stuff that's going to make you better and progress forward. All right. And then next, after that, you want to then reframe all of this feedback that has survived to this point. And what you're going to notice is in a true critique, it's going to have more good in it than bad because they're going to pepper it with, I liked this or this really works for me. And they might even say, maybe this is my opinion in these areas. Okay. All right. So the next thing, because we're going to be bringing this home real, real soon, um, is don't 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 uh, give too much credence to anything that, that does not propel you forward, but make sure that you are strengthening your ego. You see, it is your job to feed your ego because if you are looking for validation from these critiques, that's where a lot of problems happen. So when handling critiques and you've 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 got them and you're going through these steps, check your ego. And if you are noticing that it's your ego that is really bruised, that means you need to give it some loving care. And I quickly do something like this when it comes to people liking my stuff now. I say some will, some won't, so what? And I say to myself, you are one of the best writers, uh, storytellers, orators, entertainers, educators, uh, entertainers, you know, I said that already, bar none. And I have to believe it for myself because it is my job to take care of the care and maintenance of my ego. Okay. All right. And then the last one is when handling criticism, use the litmus test. And this is just in case some stuff got through and it's messing with you and you can't seem to stop thinking about it. And that litmus test for me and that has bode me well and others is this, that you need to be able to qualify it. Either it is for, it's, it's good for fuel, meaning that, like I said before, it has informative stuff that will show you um, how to advance and how to move forward. Um, and um, it will tell you or show you or bring enlightenment to things that you need to correct. So with this, this particular type of criticism, 
that fuel helps you to turn from ways that you no longer need to do. Sometimes good criticism will just flat out tell you you're wrong. You know, you need you need to change this around. And so good fuel helps you to grow. The next thing is in that same vein is the litmus test. If it's for fuel or and for improvement, as we've said, it makes you better at what you do. Or if it's for, um, <laughs> if, it, if it comes out that all it is, is uh, pointing the finger at you and accusing you or saying, you didn't do this. You didn't read my mind. Give me what I want. Because trust me, you will get a lot of that too. Then that is not going to pass the muster. That's not what you want. Okay. And so let me recap these real quick so that you will have something. I really want to make sure that you guys have something tangible that you can use because if you are actually doing what you're supposed to be doing, you're going to get criticism and unsolicited advice. So the first thing is, is that uh, you consider using the arena um, to get you pumped. And after that, qualify the criticism and the quote unquote advice that you get. And when I say qualify it, make sure that the person divvying out this advice or this criticism is at least your peer or better yet, a coach, a mentor, an expert, and someone who is qualified to judge, evaluate, and analyze what you do. If they aren't and they are not doing what you're doing, then at best they are a spectator or a skeptic and be careful of them because a spectator is a doubter and they are dream stealers. And I want you to gladly and proudly ignore what they say. Now, for the critics, uh, once you have decided which one, you want to use your five-minute rule. You also want to make sure that you know the difference between a critique and a compliment. You want to eat those fish and leave the bones reframe how you take into account the feedback, make sure you take care of your own ego, and then run your litmus test to know if it's good for fuel, for improvement, or if it's just hater, hater stuff. And with that being said, I encourage you to check out a book that I'm going to put in the, in the comments uh, called Rejection Proof by Zha Jing. And uh, it's a great book of a guy who took it upon himself to get out there and deal with his sensitivity to rejection. So guess what? Yep, my time is up. I sure do thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spiva with another podcast of Wisdom Smack. Mwah! Please continue to use our Amazon link at michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. And that's going to do it for today. I'm going to see you tomorrow. Bye. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, 
uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.